0: From the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, this is Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. Injured in Georgia? Make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. Injury Insider is presented by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs.
1: Hello and welcome to Injury Insider with Derek Hayes on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live, I usually say, from the Subaru of Gannett studio in the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel, but today is a little bit different as we are all socially distancing. We are broadcasting live from our offices, doing this virtually today for the first time. And let's talk about Injury Insider. This show will answer legal questions and debunk personal injury myths with insight and humor. For nearly 25 years, Derrick Hayes has represented injured parties in Georgia. Now he'd like to put that knowledge to work for you. I'm your host, Lisa Brooks, and it's my pleasure to introduce the star of our show, Derek Hayes.
0: Well, good afternoon. It is unusual to not be sitting across the table from each other.
1: It is, it is. This is something completely new. This is the first one that we're taping virtually. But before we begin, a quick reminder that Injury Insider is brought to you by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs, and by the law office of Derek M. Hayes. Injured in Georgia, make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. So, unless you've been hiding under a rock, you are well aware of the effects that the coronavirus has had on life as we know it. Virtually everything in our daily routine is completely different from what it was only a few months ago. Seems like every new day on the news brings another statewide mandate restricting what we are allowed to do and what we are not allowed to do. Even the legal field is facing consequences as a result of this very challenging, uh, unbelievable time, really. So today, Derek, we would like to address a couple of the many questions that our listeners have been sending to you. So before we get to the listeners' questions, let's first talk about your office and how you are managing things in light of social distancing and this stay-at-home order.
0: I appreciate that very much. And actually, I do want to talk about my office. But really, before that, I think it's interesting for the listeners to know that, you yourself were diagnosed with coronavirus, and have been dealing with it now for, I guess it's a total of 15 days since the initial test was done, and understand that, that because you and I have been together throughout this, apparently I probably would have tested positive as well, but I'm one of those of the 80% of the population that have it but never show any symptoms. So I'd like to address real quick the fact that you did get it and have suffered from it.
1: You're one of the lucky ones. I'm very jealous. I have been suffering for the last 16 days from the coronavirus. I can say that I woke up on what I'll say is day one with body aches, and that was my first clue. I got progressively worse as the day went on. I, um, I fell asleep midday, which is unusual for me. I was doing some schoolwork with the kids, slept for three hours, and when I woke up, Then I had the low-grade fever. You were there to, I kind of called you and, and didn't really know what to do. You did some digging and found a coronavirus urgent care phone number connected to the hospital right by my home. And you call that number and they go through a complete questionnaire for all your symptoms. They're really trying to determine, do you have the flu? Do you have allergies? And from that questionnaire, they did send me to the urgent care. It is like you see on the news, it is a drive up. I never got out of the car and they do a flu test. And while you're waiting on the flu test, it only takes 20 minutes. That's when the doctor comes to your car and does a quick exam, talks to you, they put masks on you uh, and the doctor as well. The nurses, again, it's, it's very surreal. It's, it's interesting to have a complete examination and you never get out of the front seat of your car. But the flu test came back negative so they did the corona test unfortunately for me 11 days to get the results so i was suffering and was very very sick without even knowing that i had corona so when he called last friday at the 11th day i knew he said well just calling to tell you you had a positive result and i said it it figures i've been really sick
0: well i know firsthand having been around you through the entire course of this just how difficult it was i saw you at the worst moment when the symptoms were really as bad as they could get, and then thankfully you've now gotten to the point where you're on an upswing and seem to be getting a lot better.
1: It's been a long process, and I would say that for anyone who has corona, has had their diagnosis, or even if you're fearful of getting it, um, I know a lot of people are still getting sick, and having a sinus infection or the flu, you don't just snap your fingers and this is gone. It really attaches to your lungs and, you're very, very weak for a long time. Sleeping was very difficult for me. One thing I want to mention, this is just as stressful emotionally as it is physically. That has been a really, really tough challenge for me with corona because we've never seen an illness like this. Having it, you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know if, if the shoe is going to drop and I need to be in the hospital and get a respirator. The statistics are still coming out, so we don't know what this looks like. So anyone that's gone through this or is facing this, that is a very real part of it and does not need to be overlooked, right? Fighting this mentally is just as challenging as fighting this physically. I know for me personally, it was very hard to sleep. The doctor had given me the advice that I need to sleep elevated, sleeping in a recliner would be important. You have to keep your lungs elevated so I'm basically sleeping like a vampire. I'm sitting straight up with my arms down to my sides. And yet I didn't want to go to sleep. I was afraid to go to sleep. So that's difficult when the only thing your body needs is to rest. And yet you're fighting it out of fear. So that part, um, I, am, I am past that part now. I feel much better. The heaviness of my chest has gone away. And I am on day 16 of symptoms. So that is how long it has taken It is 10% better every day, if I could put a number on this. I thought at the 14-day mark, I would feel 50% better, and I did not. I only felt slightly better every single day. So I have a feeling, even taping my podcast today, tonight, I will be extra tired.
0: Yeah, and a couple of things. Number one, I want to make sure we mention that, that Status Life with Lita, your podcast, I know we're going to go a lot more in depth with the symptoms and the reality of someone who hasn't suffered from it can speak to exactly what all you went through. And then the second thing, one of the most interesting things I learned from you getting this is the doctor telling you that 80% of the people who would be positive with corona never show a single symptom from it. And so thankfully, I fell into that 80%. And that also too, statistically speaks volumes because if you think about that, that means that there are probably 80% of people walking around who have corona and don't know it yet and, and may never know it. They may never have a reason to get tested, but nonetheless never suffer suffer the symptoms. But anyway, I thought that was a very interesting point. I wanted to make sure we covered that before we go into the first question. And you did ask about what my office is doing and how we're kind of getting through this. And, And the reality is my office is still open. We are taking phone calls every day. We're looking at emails and sending emails. I get faxes, we do Zoom conferences. We even use our social media platform to reach out to clients and prospective clients and even attorneys if necessary. So it's a different way of functioning, but we are open, we are still doing business. In fact, right now the mandate from the governor listing essential businesses, it does list law firms under that category. So technically I'm considered to be an essential business as well as other law firms and we're all in the office and and communicating with each other really on a daily basis. My support staff, however, they are all working remotely from home they have kids that are home from school and having to to kind of be teacher as well as paralegal receptionist answering phones and accessing their computer here at the office to continue to do everything they would normally do so we are socially distancing which is very important i want to make sure we stress that the state bar encouraged us to not have face-to-face appointments unless it's an emergency situation so for that reason we've cut out all face-to-face appointments also the fact that having dealt with corona I, i don't want to run the risk Of someone else getting that from me but again now we're through that no longer contagious and more importantly can no longer get it again so that's a relief we're the kind of people that don't have to wear a mask now in reality because we're not contagious nor can we get it anymore in fact kind of going to, to the function of the office i had a mediation here in my office just last friday we did the entire mediation by way of zoom so it's amazing how technology allows us to continue to function as a law firm and accomplish things that we normally would do in a in a big conference room together. So the mediation world is still functioning. We're able to get things done that way. And I even mentioned before, attorneys are still calling attorneys. So we're dealing with the normal routine stuff that we would, but just a little bit different approach to it
1: now. You hit on one point that the doctor had told me when he called to tell me that my test result was positive. He said, it, very rah-rah, hey, congratulations, you beat your pandemic, you're through it. And I thought, that's such an odd thing to say. You know, I, I still feel so sick, but it is like the chickenpox virus. Once you get it, you are completely immune to it. I did not know that. That has not been, I, I think, shouted from the masses that now I've not been contagious for over a week. And and Derek, you were exposed and, and showed no symptoms, so we assume that you had it. and And so that is the positive. So if you are suffering from it, you are listening to this, you're scared you're gonna get it, you will be completely immune. I mean, I almost feel like a warrior now. I don't need a mask. I don't need gloves. Like I've had it, I survived it. I can't give it to anyone else anymore and I can't catch it. So there is a little silver lining from getting this, right? All right, so we're gonna move forward. This is Injury Insider. So talk about the courts in Georgia. What changes have taken place as a result of coronavirus in the court system?
0: Well, the state Supreme Court, our Chief Justice, Harold Melton, issued a mandate calling to a statewide judicial emergency declaration initially back on Saturday, March 14th. And that declaration, the first one, was supposed to last until Monday, April 13th, but even Monday of this week, April 6th, they revisited it, and there's now a new judicial emergency declaration, which extends that through Wednesday, May 13th. Now, basically what that means under the judicial declaration, the order automatically suspends all filing deadlines. So things like statutes of limitations and things that require a 30-day response time, 60-day whatever response time, that time is suspended until the judicial emergency is over. Now on May 13th, when the order does expire, attorneys will have the same amount of time to file documents or pleadings or whatever they need to do. The same amount of time that was remaining before the original order went into effect back on March 14th. So in other words, if you had something due by March 17th, when this expires on May 13th, you'll technically have those three days to, to continue to, to file as if it were timely. In the meantime, attorneys do not have to file extensions. So normally, if we're going to miss a deadline, we have to file an extension and a pleading to deal with that. Well, thankfully, the, the state Supreme Court's eliminated the need for that while the order's in place, uh, failure to file certain documents or things that require deadlines, like briefs, things of that nature, cannot lead to dismissing a case because it was not timely filed. So the court realizes, again, that we're under this strange time and, and adjustments have to be made. There are going to be no jury trials, unless it's an emergency hearing, or criminal matters, things of that sort that require a hearing, but even still, juries are very limited. So essential functions, is kind of what they're saying can still go forward, things to protect health, safety, and the liberty of individuals. And for the first time ever in our history of the state of Georgia, the state Supreme Court is looking to hear 16 cases, oral arguments by video conferencing on April 20th. And that April 20th hearing is going to be broadcast statewide. So you can actually log into the state Supreme Court website. And if you choose to, you can listen and watch as the state Supreme Court hears 16 different cases and oral arguments by video conference. So, again, if I know we're all kind of socially distancing, hunkered down at home, and you kind of do all the puzzles and play all the games. If you want to do something different, you can listen to a state Supreme Court oral argument. Are you going to listen in? It depends. I have <laughs> listened to many in my career. I've done that many times because all state Supreme Court hearings are usually broadcast, not necessarily video conferences, but they are broadcast and you can. So if there is something of interest that I wanted to follow in the past, I have, I guess I'll have to look to see which of those 16 cases may uh, involve my field, which is personal injury, or nursing home negligence, those kind of things. And if there is, I will definitely listen in and see what I can learn.
1: All right, so we had a question that came uh, via email. This was from Joe from Alpharetta, and he would like to know, with the spread of the coronavirus and the burden it has caused on hospitals, should I wait to pursue my personal injury case?
0: Well, Joe, I appreciate that question. And the initial answer is absolutely not. I want to make sure I'm clear. I answer the question. The answer is absolutely not. Do not let this hold up. Pursuing your personal injury case, and there are several reasons. Treatment must be completed without delays, because if you do run the risk of delaying your treatment and, and causing a more severe problem, than you would have otherwise, then that's gonna negatively affect the outcome of your claim. I hear from doctor's offices daily. I get emails and, and correspondences, even faxes from doctor's offices telling me that they're still open and they are still seeing patients. Now they've adjusted the way they treat patients uh, with therapies and things of that nature, but nonetheless, they are still treating patients involved in, in personal injury claims. So by all means, the treatment needs to continue as it normally would. Documenting your injuries, all of your injuries is extremely important. So if there's a need to see a specialist, well, there are ways you can actually do that, whether it be an orthopedic surgeon, a neurologist, a concussion center, those kind of things that they still are seeing patients and can treat you. Uh, Assembling evidence is also always time sensitive. So delaying contacting uh, me uh, as an attorney to, to handle your claim could mean that evidence related to your wreck may be gone by the time you reach out to us. Whether it's photographs of the car involved in the wreck, photographs of the scene getting the police report those kind of things so again do not delay one thing i will say i had a client just yesterday i spoke to on the phone who has a surgery scheduled as a result of an injury from his car wreck but the surgery has been deemed as non-essential at this point so he's learned from his doctor that non-essential surgeries are being held off for now I think that has to do with the need for respirators and things of that sort, and even hospital rooms. Uh, So there are certain surgeries they are delaying purposely until we get through this pandemic. You can still pursue your claim as you normally would. Again, we're just doing things a little bit differently. Uh, But waiting will play directly into the hands of an insurance company. Those are the kinds of things that, they'll play upon later on and devalue in your claim if you don't do things right. And one final kind of legal issue involved here is what we call mitigation of damages. You have an affirmative duty to mitigate your damages. Now what that means is you have an affirmative responsibility to do everything necessary to prevent your damages from being worse than they would otherwise. And I use an analogy here all the time. And that is if I have a a sunroom at my house and in the sunroom it's a glass ceiling And a tree limb cracks that glass and below it, I've got a grand piano, beautiful grand piano. I've got a crack in the glass directly above it. And I do nothing to move the piano, cover the piano, and I know there's a rainstorm coming. And so the rain comes a couple of days later, it comes through that hole in the glass ceiling and destroys my grand piano. I can't then present an insurance claim to replace my grand piano because I did absolutely nothing to mitigate the damage. I could very easily have covered the piano, moved the piano, covered the hole in the, in the ceiling or, or something along those lines to prevent the damages be, from being worse than they would have been otherwise, which could potentially have just been replaced in glass. So again, kind of a, a different analogy from an injury claim, but the point is the same and that is you have an affirmative responsibility to do everything you can to keep your damages from being worse than they would be otherwise. So if you don't get that treatment and the injury becomes worse, then it can be something the insurance company can potentially completely avoid having to pay.
1: Are you noticing any other unusual effects from coronavirus on personal injury claims, something that people may not consider?
0: Yeah, there are all kinds of things that people may not think about and things that we as attorneys have to consider in our daily practice. For example, when there's an expectation, when we have difficult financial times in our our country's history, there's an expectation based on that, that people are going to cut back on what they can to to save money and and one of those things that unfortunately people tend to cut back on is paying their car insurance premiums so if somebody doesn't pay their car insurance premiums and they hit you and their insurance is, is technically canceled at that point then the only way you're going to be able to get recovery on your claim is if you've paid your own premiums and you were smart enough to carry uninsured motorists so something to consider if you don't have it is to add um coverage and for sure make sure you pay your premiums So if one of those people that didn't pay theirs hits you, you've still got a way of of getting your claim resolved. Another thing would be extensive court delays. When things open back up, we're gonna be delayed. Right now in most counties, it takes about two years between filing a lawsuit and a personal injury claim and getting to court. Some counties a little bit less, some counties a little bit more, but now the courts are shut down completely throughout the state. So there could be another two or three months delay when when the courts open back up to get back on track. Insurance companies may fight harder and longer than they have before in paying claims. A large amount of the estate issues regarding deaths from corona are going to logjam the probate court. So with the probate court not being able to work it at normal capacity, if I have a wrongful death claim from either a car wreck or medical malpractice, those kinds of things, it's going to delay the, the ability to get things through probate court to move forward in your case. You know, another side note, there are now less cars on the road. And with less cars on the road, thankfully, there are less wrecks. Now, that's the word to use because nobody wants us to, to have a, an extensive amount of car wrecks in Georgia, especially in metro Atlanta. We have far too many wrecks every day, but now with less cars, it's not as bad. Another thing I noticed with a client a couple of days ago, body shops are still open, but they're having a little bit harder time getting parts. It's taken a little bit longer than usual because the, the trucking industry now is, is doing everything they can to keep store shelves stocked with food and essential items. I know toilet paper is the one thing everybody's concerned about, but there's more than that. Another thing too, car rental companies are dealing with the coronavirus, so their stockpile of of rental cars is kind of depleted. They pull some out of the inventory and it may take a little bit longer to get a car rental. Police reports, they tend to take a little bit longer time. And even hospital beds are at a premium now because of the coronavirus, so you may be sent home quicker After a car wreck, if you're taken from the scene by ambulance, they may have kept you overnight, but now there may be a need to get you out the door as quickly as they can. So those are kind of side issues that a lot of people may not consider that come from times like this.
1: I can see, too, the exposure to corona. So even if you are sent to the hospital, there is the fear that plays into this of the nurses that are going to treat you have possibly been exposed and just, just trying to get people in and out a lot faster. These are things like you just answered that we haven't even thought about, but it it affects every aspect of our life. one,
0: One other point to piggyback off that is, is the use of your cell phone at the scene of a wreck. You know, obviously if you're involved in a wreck, make sure you're, you're okay first. I mean that that's number one always is to make sure that you and anyone with you and even the other driver involved in the wreck with you, that they're okay. Make sure you contact 911 and, and get that done. But then use that cell phone to take pictures. Uh, try and socially distance from the other driver, anybody else that's around that may come to try and help out. Uh, and as you said, you know, if you do go to the hospital, they're going to be the concerns of contracting corona. You're exactly right.
1: So we had uh, one last question I'd like to get to. And this is from Carol from Athens and I think this is relevant. She must have been asking based on the nursing home that we're gonna jump into right here. Here is her question. I have seen several reports in the news about nursing homes and the number of coronavirus deaths that have happened in those facilities. Are there things that we can do to make sure our family members are protected? What legal responsibilities do they have to protect residents from this virus?
0: Yeah, I appreciate the question, Carol, and there are actually two parts to what you've just asked. The first part is, is are there things that we can do to make sure the family members are protected? The answer is yes, absolutely. Number one, contact the facility directly and speak to them, uh, talk to them, ask about what their specific safety plans are in regards to the virus. How are they going to address this with the patients and residents and, and people that, that come and go on a daily basis, the, the nurses, the people that work in that facility? Ask about testing. Uh, are they conducting testing? If so, What are their plans to address any positive results Uh, with a facility like a nursing home? And and I know that the question came from Athens. There was a nursing home just yesterday that made the news that had, unfortunately, 10 deaths in that one nursing home in Athens, Georgia. So it is unfortunate that it affects the elderly population as badly as it does. And the concentration of people in a nursing home like that Unfortunately, obviously, it spreads, spreads more rapidly. And to have 10 deaths in one facility, there's a big concern about what to do if there is a positive result and, of course, the testing to be done there. I would also say call your family member multiple times a day if you feel that's necessary. Email them, Skype them, Zoom conference or, or FaceTime, whatever you can do to stay in contact. And really, one of the things to, to consider here is isolation is awful nobody wants to be isolated. So try and be creative, figure out what you can do to stay in contact with that family member, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, whomever it may be. We've seen on social media, all kinds of creative ways that people have reached out to, to uh, nursing home patients. I saw one where a man used a cherry picker to lift himself up to the second or third floor of a nursing home to look into the window and talk to his mom. I've seen posters where family members have made posters and stood outside the windows and and waved to their family member. I saw where grandkids have taped tic-tac-toe boards on windows and had their grandmother, grandfather play tic-tac-toe with them through the window. So just come up with a creative way to stay in contact and, and make sure they're doing okay. Now, as far as the legal responsibilities, there is still and will always be a standard of care for those patients, those residents, it has to be met. They have a duty to provide a safe environment. So, like I referenced before, if they're positive tests, there is a duty imposed to do everything necessary to prevent others from contracting the coronavirus. So negligence can come in many ways. If you think about it, medications, they've gotta be a lot more attentive in in giving out the medication to patients. Uh, You know, medication for whatever it may be, uh, their normal routine things, diabetes, high blood pressure, things of that sort, to make sure that they're still following through with the scheduled medication uh, protocol. Cutting corners, because sometimes these facilities can be short-staffed, because if a worker does contract coronavirus, they may not have to stay at home. So be sure they're not cutting corners for your, your family member. Uh, if it's someone who's immobile, they've got to make sure they use very good hygiene procedures to make sure they're taken care of and, and make sure the sanitation issues are addressed daily. You can also ask your family member to take pictures of anything that they feel concerned about. Uh, if there's something they observe, something going on with them or in their room or in the hallways, then, then it's okay for them to take a picture and send it to you. Ask if they're providing mask. If, if there is uh, a mask available, you know, make sure your family member or your friend is, is wearing that mask. And one other thing that's really something that a lot of people don't think about is just like we're asked to socially distance in the real world, in our daily life, well, they need to be doing the same thing in a nursing home. Nursing homes have many common areas. They have uh, meal times together. They have activity times together. So there is still that need to socially distance and and do things to protect the spread of the coronavirus while the patients are all together. So ask those questions. Make sure your family member or your friend is is doing okay, but also ask about what the facility is doing to, to protect them from the spread of this virus
1: having gone through it, you know, the isolation of just a few weeks and I was able to be around you and able to be around my kids. I can't imagine. And, and my heart really goes out to all of these, especially the elderly, we're talking about nursing homes here, wrapping this up. And, not having their games and and bingo and their meals together and being have to stay in their little rooms, um, my heart just goes out to everyone uh, in, in this very very difficult time. So Derek, uh, as we're wrapping up here, thank you, thank you, it's always so informative. I think you're educating all of us so much on uh, all these personal injury and now with what's going on with Corona. I know the times are changing, and I just really appreciate your time and you doing this. Tell everyone if they have questions, how can they reach you? How can they submit questions? And if they have legal questions or they need you for a car wreck or a personal injury claim, how can they find you?
0: Absolutely. And I appreciate you as well. It's tough to do this remotely, but we've been able to get through it and it's awkward not sitting across the table from each other, but it's, it's been, it's been great. I want to say too, that, that the issues and topics we've touched on, My specialty is personal injury claims. So I do handle car wreck claims, all kinds of other personal injury claims, but also medical malpractice and nursing home negligence. So if any of those issues arise and you want to talk further with me, please feel free to reach out to me and I'll be happy to discuss those those issues with you directly. And if I can't help you out, then then we'll discuss that even further. So yes, to reach out to me, please, you can go directly to my website. That's uh, DerekMHays.com. It's D-E-R-E-K, the letter M is in Matthew, Hayes is H-A-Y-S, so DerekMHayes.com. You can email me from my website. You can find out more about me and my firm there at the website. Also, you can check out my social social media platforms, the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes on Facebook, also on Twitter, as well as Instagram. So you can definitely find us there. And Uh, My phone numbers, my office number here is 404-777-HURT or 678-225-0970. I'm happy to talk to you anytime and answer any questions. And as I said, phone conferences now are basically the best and and really the most important way of, of conducting our business at this stage.
1: All right. Thank you so much for joining us on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes, presented by Status Home Design and the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Don't forget that you can enjoy any of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, then clicking on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. This program is also available on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, for Derek Hayes, I'm Leita Brooks, and you've been listening to Injury Insider on Business Radio X.